Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast Thanks is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Click the link tree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter, and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. Follow the VOW Network anywhere where podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts and you can shake a sticker. Thanks. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCAD Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for. Well, we did anyway. Coming to part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by LargeManAppears.com. I'm your host, your podcaster's throw on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan. And I'm joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, it's Christmas time. It's time to be cheery and happy and in good spirits. Yes, yes, we, we've rolled into December, and uh, Christmas-wise, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty pretty stoked. Um, we did, unfortunately, in Ireland, uh, experience the passing of an icon who's uh, inexorably linked with, with Christmas here, um, and Shane guys? McGowan. Shane McGowan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, I'm just going to be that guy. Freetown New York is totally uh. overrated. I think I, I I don't think I overrated overplayed here. Mm. I think I think um, for sure. Um, but I, I I think like the Pogues as a as a force in music are maybe underrated uh, in terms of their fusion of kind of like traditional Irish music and punk rock. Um, and he was one of these I don't know like you know the well publicized troubles and struggles of the man with alcoholism etc. Mm. But. Uh, I think one of those larger than life figures in music of which like for better or worse we will not see his like again. Oh yeah, there, there'll never be another Shane, but um yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big Pogues guy so I can't speak to their their legacy in music or anything, but um hmm. yeah, no look, anytime anybody dies it's always sad and look yeah. Shane Shane will always have a special place with many people just for fairy tale hmm. alone, so I got to see him perform once, and it was like obviously because it was you know I think it was two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. He um, wasn't in the best of shape already mm-hmm. at that point. Um, he came on stage and did a duet with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, oh, very good. But, but even having seen that is kind of special. Um, and just I think it's it's tough in in the space of a couple of years for you know Ireland has a real 
outsized presence in terms of music history like we've made a huge mark relative mm-hmm. to the size of the country and in the last couple of years to have lost like Dolores O'Riordan from the Cranberries and then this year to have lost Sinead O'Connor and Shane McGowan is like you're losing a huge huge yeah, piece of history that's, that, that's true yeah um, uh, God I forgot it, Sinead was this year feels like so long ago if I can, uh, if I can, if I can steal a very dark gag from a friend of the show, Jack Lazell, he goes, he says to me this weekend, and yet all four members of you two still alive, only the good die young, eh? It's <laughs> <laughs> now down for our YouTube burial anytime. <laughs> I don't think our American and British friends get the like the the highest YouTube hater per capita. Uh, nation on earth is it's literally Ireland yeah we can't st- <laughs> a lot of us can't stand them folks <laughs> there's a there's a thing embedded in our DNA that's like when you get to a certain level of success it's like you've become too big for your britches and the nation must uh, seek to take you down and humble you well also you know taking your taxes out of the country we'll yeah, do that yeah becoming tax exiles in the mm-hmm. Netherlands um, it's funny like you know, one of the most popular graffiti tags in Ireland is Bono is a pox <laughs> I see, I see it all the time still. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, it's great. And maybe it's one of those things, like, you know, there's, like, a cultural thing here. I was explaining this to some of my English friends recently. Like, in Ireland, there's a culture of, like, if you have money, you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's other countries in the world where, like, you know, discussing what your income is or, you know, what you spend your money on, it's not really a big deal. It's just, like, you know, it's very matter-of-fact and things like that where it's, like, it's ill-thought-of for you to be flashy with your cash in Ireland. Like, going back to like the times where we were occupied and like if you had money it probably meant you were on the take from the crown yeah you're you're probably westbrook basically like yeah yeah um, so i wonder is there a little bit of that where like you two got to a certain level of wealth where it's like right fuck you so (laughs) it's like the whole like people don't understand this like uh if you went into the local on a friday night and the place is rammed and you said i'm buying everyone around half the people there are going to take it off you and go where'd that fucker get his money from yeah, 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 they'll take it and then like with the, they'll drink they'll it with one side it. of their mouth yeah. and curse you with the other side. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I've completely diverted from um, Christmas chat, and um, it is a most wonderful time of year. It friend. is, it is. Um, how is the the Christmas shopping going? Are you on top of things? What do I look like, my wife? Ah, uh, oh God, <laughs> you're one of them. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I participate. God, if you wink hard early, your head's going to fall off. <laughs> you took it at your collar, Homer Simpson style. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> no, I do. I, I help with the Christmas I'm a, stuff. A man with the comfort of knowing that Jen doesn't listen to the podcast. No, but a friend of ours does now, and that's not going to go is well. You're, get, you're getting rat out. Actually, also, I've had a couple of young people in the village say they listen as well, so it's uh, gone oh, well. Really? So, oh, good, good. Yeah. I got to stop these my wife jokes. <laughs> Unless they're going to make them my wife jokes. <laughs> Just like. um, but no, I do. I participate and we're, we're pretty much so. Um, kids was. Yeah. Um, but um, for friends and family, probably not so much. Yeah. I've got a, like a... My list has gotten shorter over the years because like Emma's family, we've reduced things to a, a secret Santa. So rather mm. than get one for each of them, I get like you, you get like bigger presents just for one person. So I managed to square all that away pretty quick uh, on that side of the family. Then like the kind of the Ryan side of the family are the ones that are last because it's a kind of it's the shortest list and it's uh, the same thing because it's like it's two cousins and an auntie. 
and they only want the same thing every year, just like the biggest Yankee candle that they have. Ah. And yeah, I just change up the fragrances, and there's so, like a Yankee candle warehouse that's like ten minutes from my house. I was just house. gonna say it's literally down to fucking Newbridge to the the Yankee candle store, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's dead handy. So I'll get them very like dead last in terms of like budgeting, because I've got one paycheck like right before Christmas. So I'm like, right, that's on my doorstep. So that can wait oh, to good. last. Yeah, yeah. Um, most of Emma's are squared away. Um, so it's just like a couple of. Like annoying bits and stocking fillers are, are all that's left, and it's just finding the time. Um, I'm even trying to find the time now for. I mean, from the 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 night we're recording, my hair has but a week and a half left ah, on this earth. Yes, of of course. Plug your link. Plug your link. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's I I have it pinned on my my Twitter page at the day to Dave. Um, it's an I donate page. Um, and we we've done amazing on it. I'm I'm raising. So if you if you've missed a couple of shows and you're just jumping back in, um, I'm I've been growing my hair since 2021, uh, and I'm getting it shaved off, donating the hair to make wigs for pediatric cancer patients, and donating um whatever money I raise to a children's hospice. Um, so I had set a goal in mind in my head of 250 euro. We are currently sitting at 1,855 euro. Unbelievable so, stuff. Uh, I'm really hoping to get over the two grand mark uh, by the 15th. Um, so if anybody's got some spare cash, it's going to a good cause. Not to me. The thing I like about this I Donate website is that none of the money goes into my hands. So I don't have to actually manage it before I send it off. It's just all onto the page. And when the fundraiser ends, then it gets sent away. Fucking Ted Criddy over there. Yeah, I don't want to actually do any accounting work in this. I'm just going to have a cold head, that's he, all. He says this a year after I start a Patreon page with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, look, I'll, 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 I'll abscond with that cash, no problem. Those ill-gotten gains are okay. It's just uh, what happens next is the issue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, those kind. Um, <laughs> speaking of ill-gotten gains, um, how are you feeling about the 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 AEW, the the Wembley, the All In twenty twenty four? How how are the the, the hype levels? Because we, I mean, to peel the curtain back, neither of us have got tickets yet. Um, we were we were pre-sale boys last time. Yeah, I was checking out the pre-sale as it was happening, and I was not impressed with the the offers. Shall we say the the prices? It seems like everything's gone up at least one price tier. Um, so we were pitch sides. Like we, we were kind of the back end of the pitch, but we were we we're on the pitch for for twenty twenty three. Yeah. Um, I want to say our tickets were about what one hundred and forty euro, fifty euro. Yeah, it was like a hundred and twenty five flat plus booking brought it to about one hundred and forty a pop. Um. You weren't getting to that pitch for anything less than 200 now, I don't think. Yeah. The thing now, it, I think it will come down because what I was hearing from people is that the surge pricing was active this time. Ah, uh, okay. So surge pricing wasn't a thing. It, it was a thing, but it wasn't on for this event uh, last okay. time. Or at least not on the pre-sale. See, I'd, I'd never seen that before until... Um, well, well, it must be a memory then it was. But um, yeah, maybe it wasn't a thing during the pre-sale. But I'd never seen that until um, we started looking up AEW price tickets. Mm. But apparently, yeah, price surges is, is a thing, and it's uh, pretty shit, I must say. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of hoping that it will mellow out after Christmas. I think we were talking privately a bit. Like, we are going. Like, because you and I, like, between, you know, what absolute wrong uh are running the Irish wrestling scene. 
and that like this is literally the only wrestling show you and I do in a year because mm-hmm. we kind of like I, I'm I'm definitely not feeling like much as the crack is still mighty whenever we would go to Germany and I'm sure that would still be the case I don't have the gra to go back there yet yeah um, I, I don't think that's ever coming back I don't know um, it, it's just any any WXW clips I see are just I don't know but um, yeah, I'd be going uh, like uh, the thing with going to AEW is like I'd be going and I think I'd still enjoy that even if I'm frustrated with the booking, I still uh, think I'd enjoy broad the, strokes of the show. Yes, exactly. And the wrestling will still be a very good standard. And, um, and it's London and we've got friends in London. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, um, whereas like those weekenders uh, for WXW, weirdly, even though London's a more expensive city, would end up costing us more. Because you always um, have to do a day or two extra, and the, you yeah, know, it, 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 there is added costs and stuff. And as much as maybe some of the wrestling might be might be better, belt to belt, WXW, I don't know at the moment what it's like. Um, but we're less invested, exactly. for good or for bad. Um, um, I, so I, we will go, but I, I think it'll be a while. Like that, I, I I was actually kind of blown away with the they've nearly hit thirty thousand already. Like I thought with the way the product has been, that'd be way slower than that, but. I think they're still going to get 50, 60. I think they make 50 easily. Um, it It's pushing beyond 50 now. That'll be the challenge for them. Um, I think this time they're actually going to have to fucking announce matches and well, build matches. Like, I, I think I think the right stuff could get them up much closer to the first time. I mean, I'm 95% certain that one half of the main event is set in stone. Yeah, Osprey. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. We we said we were literally standing next to each other during his entrance and said, "This guy is signed." This, like yeah, next yeah. year, he's in the main event. Yeah, I think Osprey, you know, going for the title in Wembley, uh, is a pretty like that will that will get you mm-hmm. attention. I think uh, you know the long touted final Danielson McGuinness match. Um, much as I think somebody I was listening to. Chair shot pod, um, recently, and they were talking about um, this is this week's episode, and they were talking about maybe if they like if they announced Danielson Omega three, that would probably shift tickets as well. Mm. But you know, there's a lot you could do. You could do like Omega Hangman. You could do you could do anything. Like I'm kind of keeping it really hopeful that Swerve will be the champion at Wembley, uh, but I don't know if he will. I- so I wanted to win the title in in 2024, and I think if Osprey wins the title, he's not dropping it for the rest of the year. They don't do short world title reigns. They don't. I think that's something that will change in 2024, though. Yeah. Um, I not not to go too deep on the, what I'm thinking, but I think it goes MJF to Joe. Joe drops it at the next pay per view, whether it's Revolution or some kind of TV spot, whatever they end up doing. But Joe mm. will only hold it relatively short. Yeah. Uh, if Joe gets it, it's a, it's a combination of the injury and a giving Joe his flowers run. Mm-hmm. And then I either have Joe drop it to one of two people. It's either Hangman or Swerve. And depending on who he drops it to, I, I'd still main event double or nothing with Hangman versus Swerve. For the title, yeah. And that's where Hangman gets his win. Mm. And then you want a hangman Osprey at Wembley, maybe, maybe that yeah. that that's me. But I mean, I'm not Will Washington, so I'm not getting hired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, right, I suppose we'll we'll to tip back to 1999, shall we? Do we have to? Uh, well, we won't be going straight into WCW uh, just yet because we've got to see what Uncle Dave had to say. Um, and I just think this is very funny um, to kick off with because I know there's been some talk uh, on on Twitter and stuff recently about like uh, steroids because I know there was a, a I think there was a question to Dave about like what's the uh, you know, what's the policy in AEW? I think it's I think it's widely known that like there is a policy that exists, but there's no testing. Hang on, people are questioning the AEW policy after yeah. Randall Kenneth Orton returned. Yeah, 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 I mean, this is I I think this came up again because it's like WWE have a policy and they test, but like the ability to beat the test is very. Like, look, at the fact that Randy Orton has remained employed in spite of repeatedly <laughs> failing drugs tests, not even steroid tests, just flat-out drugs tests, mm-hmm. uh, is evidence to that. Uh, and that's ma- that's a matter of public record. That's not even speculation. Like, that yeah. guy has failed, I don't know how many tests for weed. But anyway, um, I just thought it was funny that the first uh, headline I saw of any significance was Dr. Joel Hackett, an, Indiana's phys- an Indian- Indianapolis physician, well known within pro wrestling for having connections with some of the biggest WWF and WCW talent, has had his medical license suspended for at least 90 days this past week at an Indiana State Police investigation, has been turned over to the Marion County Prosecutor's Office for potential criminal charges. Hackett, known to have medical connections with both Brian Pillman and Louis Spicoli, admitted in a June 4th, 1998 interview with Indiana State Police investigator Mike Garrett prescribing Schedule 2, 3, and 4 controlled substances to pro wrestlers in 8 to 10 different states and Canada for over 6 years. Garrett's report said that 3 of Hackett's patients names not listed but one of which would have been Spicoli had overdosed with many of Hackett's prescription pills around at the scene of death there are both similarities and differences between this story which originally broke in the 828 Indianapolis Star News uh, and what it will be naturally compared with the steroid controlled substance painkillers distribution conviction of George Sahorian in 1991 Um, so this is the first kind of significant steroid bust since Zahorian, mm-hmm. uh, several years previously, uh, there was talk that so WWF seemingly had been way stricter that he was caught backstage and barred by the ah, company. Okay. Whereas uh, wrestlers, the only one named being Spicoli, were flying this doctor to shows. Out to shows. Oh God. Um. So, like, as far as I know, nothing really comes to WCW's door in terms of responsibility for this. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell with me anyway, but... The, 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 the story is doctors don't be a mark for fucking wrestlers. Yeah. And this, I think, would be the last significant bust until Signature Pharmacies 10 years later. Yeah, easily. And that, that was an online thing, wasn't it, Signature Pharmacies? Yeah, yeah. Um... And that was, like, in the wake of the, the Benoit yeah. uh, stuff. Um, so, yeah, it just, like, it just goes to show, like, the same problems just recur and recur and recur. Like, I guess the the one thing that isn't as prevalent now in wrestling as was still back then, and particularly the generations before, is, like, just the har- the use of, like, the hardcore Class A's. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to be as, as big a deal uh, now, or at least, like, people have gotten so good at hiding it. That we don't hear about it, but uh, yeah. Um, 
there's uh, another thing interesting because this this topic comes around every now and then as well in wrestling history amidst the plethora of mainline news coverage of pro wrestling came a piece on abc's nightline on a27 concerning hardcore wrestling oh it was quite a sight to see no-name indie wrestlers doing really bad chair shots in front of around 100 people treated as a serious nude subject. Um, this is the reason I wanted to bring it in, because this is just very funny. Um, who gets mentioned in this? The idea that when a show the caliber of Nightline investigates pro wrestling, hardcore side in particular, and its effect on children, they go to um, Man- Mantua, New Jersey, for basically unknown combat zone wrestling, and interview the promoter of of the almost unknown Bayonne, New Jersey-based Jersey All-Pro Wrestling, which is mind-boggled. But there it was, Ted Koppel, one of the most respected television newsmen in the country, debating an overmatched Jeff Shapiro, the promoter of Jersey All-Pro. Uh, the show opened with Nightline reporter Dave March going to a CZW show in a warehouse with about 100 or so fans. They interviewed fans who did great service to wrestling fans around the country by saying that they were there for blood. <laughs> They showed clips of some really bad wrestling, even by indie standards, featuring terrible chair shots and a guy jumping off a pretty high balcony onto an opponent and sending him through a table, while in ECW fashion, the crowd started chanting CZW. They brought out a psychologist to the matches who found them very exciting and entertaining, but focused on how riled up very young children attending the shows, one of whom brought a barbed wire baseball bat to be used as a weapon, apparently. Uh, with ABC TV cameras there, was disappointed because none of the wrestlers would use it, uh, were there for simulated brutal activity. The psychologist, in what was obviously a dated reference, said that recent studies with kids revealed Hulk Hogan as the seventh biggest sports hero amongst young children. John Zandig, the promoter of the show, bragged that it was his promotion that introduced the new spot of using a staple gun to the head that has since been taken national by ECW. Uh, I just thought it was very funny to see Zandig and CZW getting fucking ABC, buried a, a, by Ted Koppel. Yeah, that, that's that's not a thing I ever knew existed. But hey, good for Ted Koppel. Ted Koppel is such a like legendary newsman that I know who Ted Koppel is <laughs> now, mainly because of Simpsons rapper references. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, the uh, the Flanders goes crazy episode where he, like Flanders sits up is like, Mod, I think I hate Homer Simpson, and then Homer wakes up is like, Marge, I think I hate Ted Koppel. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, look, good, good for CZW getting national exposure in 1999. Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing well, they capi- really, capitalized it on it now. Really testing the, uh, you know, no, uh, no press is bad press. Um, something that is probably going to uh, have some ramifications on TV just soon. Uh, down in Mexico, in Tijuana, Rey Mysterio beats Psychosis before a crowd of 5,500 and 826 in a hair versus mask teacher versus student match. The show was built as El, in, uh, El Evento de Silo, uh, the show of the century, uh, with heavily jacked up ticket prices. So uh, Sikosis lost his mask, which I thought was very funny because Ray doesn't have that much hair. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. I was just... Um, yeah, 1999 Ray has obviously already lost his mask. Yeah, makes sense. I was, I was yeah. In my head, I was going, well, this is obviously where Sikosis loses his mask. And I was like... Hang on, you said hair versus mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and that's why I had to check to make sure the finish that I was right, because I was like, hey, Ray's bald, right? Um, or nearly. He definitely was uh, a couple of yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, he, uh, and it's like he, the, the, the crowd went crazy when he revealed his name, and he's a Tijuana native. 
and the crowd chanted uh, psychosis. I, I want to say psychosis continues with the mask and WCW for another bit, right? I don't know for sure. Like, this has made me think maybe not. Um, because I know uh, when he went back to Mexico post WCW, yeah, he tried to appeal to get his mask back because obviously yeah. it's taken very seriously. Once you lose your mask, you're not allowed. You don't put it back on. Yeah, you never go back under a hood again. Um, what, I, what I always remember is just the very famously at ECW one night stand, he put the mask back on and immediately took it off yes, during his entrance. He had to, and, uh, and people didn't like it, but like Joey Styles was in a pains to go. It's a show of respect that he unmasks in front of them, even though he's been blatantly unmasked for a long time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, are you seated comfortably? Uh, as comfortably as it can be. There is yet another pay per view scheduled uh, for ten ten. From Casino Magic Bay in in Bay St. Louis. Uh, do you know what this is? Is this Heroes of Wrestling? It is. I say St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis, Missouri. The site of two previous UFC events called Heroes of Wrestling. Featuring George Steele, Jake Roberts, Jim Neidhart, King Kong Bundy, Bushwhackers, Sensational Sherry, Greg Valentine, Marty Gennetti, Tully Blanchard, Stan Lane, Nikolai Volkov, Lou Albano, Jimmy Snuka, Bob Orton, Tommy Rogers, Yokozuna, Samu and Fatu. Before anyone says it, no, we are not reviewing no. Heroes of Wrestling. Every podcast on earth does Heroes of Wrestling eventually. We, it's a thing where, like, I think even if somebody, when we reopened TRLs, if somebody subbed, it's a hard line. We though. would have, we would have a real, real hard no. Yeah. Like, we'll review anything within reason, but it's not even that we don't want to watch it. It's been I've done to death. I've watched most of the show. I've watched most of the show. It's been done to death. Like, the only. There, there's maybe two shows in history I don't really want to do because, like, who could possibly add to the conversation on it? And it's that and doing the full extent of, of WrestleMania X7. Because I did I, I did Austin Rock for must-see matches, but, like, that's a different project because it's about kind of your personal... Hang on, hang on. We're not end, ending the show with WrestleMania 17. No, we're ending it with the final Nitro. <laughs> you goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> Hang on, we're, we're not ending at the final Nitro. WCW no, lives on ending, for another yes. six we're months. The w, we're ending the WCW timeline there, and what we do next is anyone's guess. <laughs> um, but we're not, we're not watching all of X7 just to review WCW wrestlers pictured in crowd. You can fuck off with that you shit. Get, you get to see meat up in the box. No, no. Um... Like, we would do the Battle Lines Are Drawn Nitro. Mm. Uh, we could do the DDP Raw debut, Unveil as the Stalker. Uh, there's lots we could Actually, do. Actually, there's an episode idea. We just do an episode where we go through all the involvement, all the WCW involvements until the actual invasion starts. Yeah, like a recap. Yeah. I would totally do that. But I'm, I'm just, yeah, X7 and Heroes of Wrestling, for different and similar reasons, I have no interest in ever podcasting about. I'll do X7. Fo- like, I'm days. just about, if it wasn't historically <laughs> significant to the timeline, I would, I would, like, I, what can we add about the simulcast? But we have to do the simulcast because it's in the timeline. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But thankfully, um, WCW did us the favor of shutting down six days before X7. Here's here's <laughs> something. I don't think I've ever watched the simulcast from a WCW perspective. I don't think I've ever watched that full show. I mean, I, I definitely have. I haven't done a long time, and since we started this podcast, I don't watch any WCW in our time. No, I, I yeah, I, I don't go ahead at all. 
Um, and it's it's hard because I love like WCW, and I I my go to on the network is to stick on a WCW show. Yeah, and my go to always when we were having like was... nights where everybody would pick matches would be to put on bad WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, we also have um the chatter. Uh, in the LA Times on 829 talking about how great the upcoming Beyond the Rap Mat wrestling movie is. Uh, we will be reviewing, speaking of stuff that's been talked about exhaustively, but this is in our timeline and relevant for a lot of different reasons. We will be doing uh, a free show review of Beyond the Mat. Uh, it comes out, I think the premiere is 1010. So that week we will be doing a, a Beyond the Mat podcast on here. Um, I am looking forward to that because, again, we decided very early doors we were going to do Beyond the mm-hmm. Mat, which was something I watched every couple of years anyway. Yeah. Um, and, yes, so now it's been like four years since I've watched that show or that uh, that documentary. So it'll be fun to uh, to touch back in with that. Um, uh, there's a couple more news stories. If you just bear with me there. Um, we have got... Where is it now? Ah, Yes. So something we have missed, but our uh, will we say it now? We're going to do beyond the uh, behind the paywall uh, next week. Yes, next week's Patreon. It is something we we totally just it just skipped over our minds. We totally missed it. We had said we would talk about it on the show, um, and until I read this about an hour ago, <laughs> I didn't realize we'd missed this. We I, thought it was next week. Yeah, I I think Dave was in the same boat as me. I genuinely thought it was September ninth that it happened but it was actually the last week of august uh raven returned to ecw mm-hmm. so next week's patreon show over at largemanappearance.com will be our first ever ecw on tnn review it'll be just yeah. just like a thunder review we'll take you through the show bit by bit um but obviously the- but because it's not like we've we've said before because sometimes what's happening over on raw or smackdown has a bearing on WCW. Mm-hmm. We'll do a podcast that covers Raw or SmackDown in the timeline. Our whole thing before is that nothing on the timeline is paywalled, but stuff that's an addendum to the timeline. So the two big things we talked about recently are this idea mm-hmm. and also the uh, there will at some point be a Patreon tribute to Mike Enos yes. who wrapped up wrapped up on saturday night recently so we want to capture his last nitro match and his last saturday night are you, match. Are you trying to say you wrapped up the enos yes you got to wrap up your enos folks you got to keep him safe uh, yeah practice safe enos um but yeah we're gonna so because it's not essential to the timeline it's uh, it's patreon but, and hey look if you if you're really dying to hear this review of raven's return to ecw Five euro gets you that, and uh, and look at Eric Bischoff over there on the other side of this call talking about how ECW wasn't important to WCW's timeline. It wasn't, <laughs> unless it was stealing guys from ECW. <laughs> oh god! I just had to get that Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Again, yeah. Uh, so the biggest news in ECW is that Raven has agreed to a one-year deal. Raven was earning approximately two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year in WCW, and about two hundred and seventy of that went on drugs, <laughs> and took an ECW deal believed to be in the range of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the year. 
He had try. Uh, he had told friends he'd finish up in time in uh, finish up the time frame as WCW contract in ECW before going to WWF. But in the ECW dressing room, and noted that his original plan years ago was to work four months in ECW before moving on, and he ended up staying for three years. So that seems to be they're kind of hoping against hope that he'll be back, he'll like it there, and he'll stick there for the long term. So they've accepted him for the year in the hope that he'll just stick around. Yeah, well, the difference was he was coming in as Johnny Polo. He was coming in off his Johnny Polo run, whereas this time he's coming back in as Raven. Slight Mm. difference there. It's interesting here that it sounds like Heyman was... um, Heyman spoke highly about Billy Kidman, so it sounds like he was trying to get him. But Kidman had three years left on his WCW contract, and he was making 300 grand Already? Kidman like I look I love Kidman and I don't think he earned enough out of the sport for how like ahead of his time he was and he's still getting paid so he's okay but 300 grand a year for where he was on the card when Raven was getting 30 grand a year less 1999 Billy Kidman is not a 300 grand a year guy no uh, which is a figure that Heyman couldn't afford to come close to which is fair he also wasn't interested in spending three years in ECW before getting his opportunity to go to WWF which is fair uh, Heyman wasn't as interested in Conan, and financially it would have been uh, a dumb move okay, for Conan so, to make. So this is Heyman going through the guys that stood up and the tried to get that, out. Yeah. Uh, wasn't interested in Conan, and financially it would have been a dumb move for Conan to make, because yeah, obviously Heyman wasn't going to pay him. It doesn't say what he was on, but Heyman was not going to pay for what Conan could offer. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, I'm sure he was probably like if Kidden was earning 300k, I'd say Con- Conan was easily on more. I'd say Conan's touching half a mil probably. Yeah, uh, although it may have been more considered, uh, although it may have been considered more than momentarily, Raven did try to broker a deal because he felt Conan could contribute to because of his booking ideas. Oh God, fuck an ECW co-booked by Conan, perish the thought. Uh, Axel Rotten and New Jack are back as full timers. <laughs> um. <coughs> Interestingly, because of we know what happens in the next few months, it is said that Chris Candido and Tammy are coming back on the 9-11 taping in Buffalo for ECW. Um, mm. Interesting indeed. Um, so I'm just scrolling down. Also, uh, uh, seeing, seeing as you mentioned Tammy, I think it's it's timely to bring up uh, that Sunny won't be seen many sunny days herself. The 17 years I believe yeah. she got it's uh... horrible like really like god like she was such a kind of like I think she's one of those things where do you remember we talked about when the plane ride from hell mm-hmm. dark side came out and it was like a story that because we didn't have all the intimate details of was kind of treated as a punchline mm-hmm. for a long time and then you get the tragic of, you of get a dear hostess and yeah. focused look yeah and I feel like dark side kind of did that a bit with Tammy where I think because a lot of her problems are of her own creation, in in a lot of people's mm-hmm. estimation, she becomes a bit of a laughing stock amongst wrestling fans. But I don't know, man. Like since the, particularly since the Chris and Tammy, doc, where you're just kind of, it's almost like you're just like hold your eyes open, clockwork orange style, and look at it, and you're just like, I just feel so sad. I, I did. It's such a sad story, and like, she was the fucking queen. Of pro wrestling the, for the most like, downloaded person, not in wrestling, in the world. Like, are we talking like ni- maybe like ninety five to ninety eight? Ninety five, ninety five through ninety seven, easily. Yeah, and then she, oh yeah, because in ninety eight she returns with LOD. Um, but like it, it's so sad in the fact that they were turning their life around, and then 
Chris had that tragic accident, and it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's so weird because like it, in such a different way than because like, obviously the nature of the tragedies it's gonna bum me way out more watching him wrestling WCW than mm-hmm. Benoit because like. <sighs> Candido, like Candido was so good. He was so good, and it was just his height. Like if he, it, it's it's if that he was half a foot taller. This guy would have. If he was like seven years later, that guy is a contemporary of AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. And if these guys had more people looking out for them and turning them away from the, you know, the darker side mm-hmm. of of the business, like. Who knows, you know? Um, um, whereas the Benoit thing, because of how it ended as well, you have very limited sympathy. Yeah, I I, I replied to uh, How To Wrestling today on, on Twitter. Yeah, shout out to Kevin and Joe. Um, about Chris Benoit. And just, just, that that was obviously my, my tweets. But it's, like like I said in the tweet... You definitely, you definitely, I can say, like having read them, like you do speak on our behalf. Um, it, It's that thing of we had to have that discussion very earlier on. And it's, it. I'm not going to compare the tragedies. So just, but yeah, it's that thing yeah. of we can watch a Chris Benoit match now, but you can't forget. And yeah. it'll be odd when Chris comes into the company and and Tammy as well. Yeah, and then you have both like the tragedy of her story, and then his death, and it's it's totally different kind of feeling towards everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it'll be it'll be odd. Because it'll also be the, uh, there'll be a little bit of weirdness with Mike Awesome coming in as well. Because another tragic guy that we were both super into. Talk about a guy that was fucked over by the business. Yeah. Um. There's another thing. So um. Shane Douglas is suing Paul, claiming he's owed 140 thousand in back pay that he didn't get. I'm pretty sure that um, that's true. Yeah. Well, like I mean, this is the thing. Is like lots of people. The way they were able to get out of ECW and go places is because it's like Paul. Like you've breached my contract by not paying me. So like, pay me and I'll stay, or don't pay me and I'll go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them went and then tried to like get claim the for their lost pay. Um, I know Dreamer um, was all the fuck to him. Yeah, Dreamer Taz is on record. Like he was on the like I, I'm trying to think. Dreamer Taz and the Dudleys all mentioned on mm. the rise and fall of ECW. They were owed money, but they were still like. You know, drinking the Kool Aid as was the the phrase. Yeah, but Douglas was experienced enough to, that he should have known better than to even let it get to that stage. Yeah, I think it was a Taz. There was somebody. I think maybe it was Taz that he was owed a fuck ton, and he had one very. And I can imagine the kinds of conversations Taz would have with people when they owed him money. Mm-hmm. And it's like he had one conversation, and he never. And then Paul never missed a paycheck again. <laughs> uh, was that not Lance? Oh, maybe it was Lance. Maybe it was Lance. It was somebody anyway. Had a very frank conversation. Uh, I think Lance was like, "It's happened twice. Things. If it happens again, I'm gone." Yeah, and it never happened again. Yeah. Um, WCW news briefs. Um, so at this point, plans are being formulated under the assumption that Ric Flair will never return to the company. <laughs> so that's just the latest status update on them. Um, Gene Simmons. Right. Okay. Uh, don't have any drink in your mouth because you're going to spit it out on your laptop screen. Gene Simmons of Kiss did an interview where he said he went with WCW instead of WWF because of Bischoff's integrity. Let that one fucking sink in for a second. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to get sued, so I'm not saying that. 
I guess they don't learn anything from ratings after all. WCW has added a New Year's Eve pay-per-view from the Fiesta Bowl in Tempe, Arizona, a 70,000-seat stadium, which will be a combination full-length wrestling show and full-length KISS concert. Boy, are the wrestlers going to be pissed having to spend the biggest New Year's Eve in history working. (laughs) Speaking of podcasts we're going to have to do soon, Universal Soldier opened at number seven in the box office charts with a $4.3 million gross, which isn't good. We're not doing it, are we? I want to. But we'll see. We'll see. It's not like in the way that Beyond the Mat and Ready to Rumble. It's not essential timeline. It's not. What I want to do is I want to wait until I think there's a certain point at which they're really putting over Goldberg in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they start heavily doing that on TV, maybe we'll we'll do it as an at the movies. Probably when it's coming out on VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they start mentioning on TV, because they mentioned when he was away filming it, but they haven't mentioned the movie yet on TV. Um, as it turned out on Thunder they did accidentally show the Harlem Heat match uh, just edited out the entrance where the belt was shown so they got caught in a continuity mm-hmm. loop on their taping again <sighs> when Bischoff goes heel as company president which is still the plan he's going to have a black woman bodybuilder and two midgets as part of his entourage what? <laughs> hang, on, hang, on, hang on read that sentence again I certainly will when Bischoff goes heel as company president, he's going to have a black woman bodybuilder and two midgets as part of his entourage. What? What's the heat there? Bischoff surrounds himself with little people. He's an idiot. I don't know. Like I, I genuinely, I, I don't get that. Mm. Yep. Yep. Oh, there's actually... There was more ECW that I've skipped past. So basically, Paul is beefing with everybody. No. Uh, so, Hack and Public Enemy. Um, he's saying he won't have Hack back in the company after Hack left. Mm-hmm. And he's also saying he will never book Public Enemy again because they no-showed. The ECW on TNN taping the first one. Yeah. So, both of them are trying to come back. Hack is obviously um, gone at this point from... Yeah. But Chastity, so this is my one of my next news stories. Chastity was given word that when her contract inspires in December that she won't be renewed. That's why Hack was ready to leave for ECW and has said he still wants to go, although Heyman said he's not welcome back. Uh, after the first TNN rating, I think anyone Heyman thinks can get over if they're really readily available, he would welcome back with open arms. Mm-hmm. Um, when Bischoff gave Raven his release, he told him he admired his guts to walk out and ask for for it because he didn't expect that anyone would. They basically agreed that Raven wouldn't say anything bad about WCW as a term of getting his release. I'm a, on this week of all weeks to read a story about a non-disparagement mm-hmm. clause when a wrestler jumps companies. That's interesting. Did Raven say, I'm home? <laughs> uh, getting his release and that in one year when Raven's ECW deal is uh, up, he would be welcome back to WCW. So, like, and I, to me, knowing Bischoff, I don't think he really cared about having Raven on his show, but he cared about that Raven would, everyone assumes, mm-hmm. go to WWF immediately once his ECW deal was up. Um, there, there's so a question for you. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll save it for the ECW show. Yeah. 
Uh, Nash was at the Nassau show doing a lot of the booking along with Rhodes. So he's kind of like, even though we, we reported when we started doing these day features that he'd been kind of relegated. Mm-hmm. He is a growing in influence again in the booking committee, which is building to something we will be talking about in about a month. The one where he books an entire thunder by himself and nearly <laughs> gets fucking railroaded out. <laughs> Not just out of booking, out of the whole company. <laughs> Like I'm at, like look, I know we're jumping the gun a little bit, but like spend the next month of our podcast building up to this show, thinking about how bad you have to book a show for WCW to be like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, it's not just Bischoff at that point; it's actually higher ups in fucking what are uh, what's the fucking name of the company, Turner, um, saying, yeah, we can't have that on our our air. Uh, anyway, um. Christian York and Joey Matthews were told they didn't have to move to Atlanta or go to the power plant yet, but they'll probably have to start going in six months for now. They're getting paid for doing nothing. So they're under contract, but they don't have to do anything. Six months from now, I'm pretty sure they are ECW tag champs. Incredible. It is expected that Super Calo will be fired. Oh. Um, yeah. Rod, Dennis Rodman was arrested on 821 for a misdemeanor charge of public intoxication. Of course he was. Yeah. Uh, Flair and Goldberg joined such celebs as Michael Jordan for the Jimmy V uh, Celebrity Golf Classic over the weekend in Cary, North Carolina. It was said that Goldberg had a following for autographs that rivaled Jordan. Yeah. They, 101 celebrities, they had the largest following. They, they bring it up on Thunder. Uh, but a top selling, the top selling auction item was a Flair robe. At $28,000, sold Darius Rucker, the lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> that is one of the most 1999 sentences that I could ever utter. Do you do like, you think Conrad has bought that back? 100%. 100%. Um, the other thing, the thing I wanted to mention on that, just before we move into the actual thunder, is that... Um, I find it interesting what they said there about Goldberg because Dave had his monthly breakdown, Mm. which like if you weren't, if you're not used to reading Dave, it's nearly an imperceptible chart about who affects ratings in the different companies. Okay. And he just like, there's no real order to the table that can be discerned. Uh, It's not split by company or anything like that. You're just looking for individual names and seeing how much they move the needle. And it's interesting to see that one of the biggest needle movers like uh, on a par if not slightly above in some metrics to s- compared to Steve Austin is Goldberg listen we, we say it on every show if there's a live audience here that dude is still over yeah they fucked up yeah. so badly um, I find it I find it interesting and let's let's use this as the kind of you know talk, uh, talking point to move into Thunder that so now we are in the era where Thunder is going head-to-head with SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And I find it very interesting to see already who in the company is clearly abandoning ship. And they don't want to be seen to be beaten by WWF's B-Show or to be on the show. But one person they've brought in for this show to try and swing things a little bit is Goldberg. Yeah. Goldberg has his first, his first Thunder match in a while mm-hmm. and it, it's funny you say that because when you look back over the past couple of weeks of thunder the main focus of the show has been sid vicious yeah and it's almost like he has been set up to go look he's losing to the b show mm-hmm. nash obviously not here mm-hmm. 
He's still working retirement. That big fucking orange prick. Not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those guys, a lot of the, the politicking dudes. Even Sting and Luger. Mm -hmm. Nowhere to be found. Flair obviously currently not coming back to the company. Again. Um, but yeah, I just found that very interesting. Um, and as we move into this Thunder, it's something worth bearing in mind because this is Thunder 78 from Saginaw, Michigan, 2nd of September, 1999, with a 1.9 rating. we're into ones. That is down by 0.1 compared to last week. We are down a full 1.0 in the last three weeks because what <laughs> happened after three weeks ago? So they had ta they had taped Thunder mm -hmm. that was uh, on a different night. It was Wednesday night, it was. wasn't it? They had a Wednesday night Thunder. Then they went head to head with the SmackDown debut, and now they're head to head with SmackDown episode two. So they are eating shit right now. Fuck me! A whole a whole percentage points, yeah. rating or ratings points in three weeks in, erased in three weeks. That's fucking scandalous yeah isn't it like i can imagine turner being fucking furious yeah yeah and of course lee what are they bringing back as the big storyline in the company to try and get people to switch back over it's the white homer <laughs> i thought we, I, I genuinely thought we were done with the homer no dude we're not i know it, it, i know like, the homer is still coming in 2000 i know like. i know but yeah but uh, yeah, well, we were even reading in the Observer a few weeks ago that the plan was the Hummer was done because they were all like dusty and Bischoff were fucking embarrassed about how it went nowhere the last time. Uh, and now it's back. So the, the cold open is a flashback to Nitro where Hogan is photographed really like looking with a bit the biggest fucking dumbest face you've ever seen on a man. It's the most like clear high resolution surveillance photo I've ever seen in my life of a man in full colour standing beside a white Hummer and it's so funny because like the white Hummer in the TV angle like I'm assuming must have had a license plate in view and wherever this photographer was standing clearly could have got the mm -hmm. license plate just in didn't. the photo and it did, just didn't yeah. um, but you're very in the lead here Dave oh, am I? we haven't seen Lex Luger on TV in fucking forever. Oh, sorry. I thought it was a giant anthropomorphic Nick's cap <laughs> that was talking. And now we have the return of uh, Flexi Lexi. And of course, yeah. we're redoing Sting, Trust Sogan, and Bluger doesn't. We had seen on, I think, last week's Thunder that he came out to help Sting. Yes. He, he saved Sting. Uh, I can't remember who was was it Steiner and it was some, yeah and whatever Sid and yeah, probably. I'm assuming when it's interference in a match that it must be Steiner and Sid. <laughs> uh, but regardless, that was his big return, and yeah, this was his interview segment. So this is clearly the um, like it's the classic Lex. I you know I'm helping you out, pal, but like he's clearly he's clearly turning on him at a certain it point, like. <laughs> I feel like it's clearly the latest in the long history of people turn on Sting. I feel like WCW have done the Hogan Luger Sting in the middle storyline at least four times before this. They've definitely this is definitely not the first time since Thunder started a year and a half ago <laughs> that they did it. Uh, um, also, we know that like the Sting heel turn is coming is is coming. Yes. So it may actually be now because I can't remember. It may be Sting turning on. Oh, him do you, do you not remember, remember what happens? 
Okay. No, I remember the sting heel term is coming up, but I, I can't. Like, again, uh, I just like, there's something niggling about all it. All I'll like, say I is. it's shocking. Bad, you're, you I are really going to enjoy the pay per view. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I'll, I'll That's t- the other thing as well. Like, Fall Brawl is coming yeah. up. And I remember, like, Fall Brawl 98 being fucking class. Like, apart from that, like, there was, like, two or three matches on it that were class. Mm-hmm. And then the Hogan versus Warrior barrel roll mm-hmm. match. Um, also. We'll get to it throughout the, the duration of this show. They had Fall Brawl booked and then absolutely tore her up and just made a feud, right? Right. So here's <laughs> the thing. Last week in The Observer, right? Last week in The Observer, he said, there are no plans. One week ago, there were no plans. Mm-hmm. Now, he lays out in The Observer this week, I skipped it because I didn't want to necessarily spoil it in case these plans stick. He did write what the plans were. Um, but I don't know if they stick to them. Like to be honest. they were building to Goldberg Sid. They've been doing it for two months. Yeah, and now it's not Goldberg Sid. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arenaclub.com slash v-o-w net arenaclub.com slash v-o-w net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network
What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Yuffie's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or, wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, yeah, Sid goes a completely different random direction in his promo while still also building towards Goldberg yeah. on this show. Anyway, so Lex shows Sting the photo of Hogan very clearly standing beside a Hummer. And what I said is, I thought was brilliant is uh, Lex Luger, private detective, stone face saying, I have verified the photograph myself. <laughs> I want more detail on how he verified it. Was he with the boys down the lab <laughs> trying to like doing ballistics tests did, and did, whatever the fuck did Lex Luger go to Lex Luter to, to verify looking at, fo- looking at a photograph and then like for some reason using like an abacus or something <laughs> in, a, in a black room Lex Luger with his abacus yeah you see him trying to call the forensics labs but he's just on like a speaking spell or something Oh, God. Uh, Tanae describes it after the uh, opening credits as being a week of mistrust and distrust 
in World Championship Wrestling. They review the tape from June of the original Hummer incident. Why? By the way. Why? <laughs> Why? Why are we involved in Macho and that shit this now? Because it's the white homer, mate. That's why. Also, for some reason, Luger wants Stink to care that Kevin Nash has gone from the company. Yeah. No, none of this makes any sense whatsoever. Um, And they do this stupid thing where Sting goes to confront Hogan on Monday. Uh, so, t- well, Tanae says it first. So we'll mm. talk about it a little bit more when we see it in the next segment. But Tanae just casually mentions as Larry goes to get his kudos. That when Sting went to confront Hogan about the photo, he found Macho and George in the dressing room. I have several problems with this, which we'll talk about now in a second. So Luger from Monday, Hogan comes out and he's like, ah, oh, this photo was nonsense. Uh, and I love, I, know what I you're love, say. right? Is it, is it what he yes. says that he's doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be in the back. Fucking, I fucking cried laughing Dave who who talks like this Dave I don't know about you but in 1999 when I wanted to appear cool do you know what I did what did you do I put on a feathered boa yeah a bandana on my head and I ate some fucking fruit and he says (laughs) while I'm waiting for Lex Luger I'll be backstage eating fruit and being cool all I could think of, and you know the segment I'm going to reference, yeah. it's the most famous fruit eating segment in history, is Vince McMahon eating <laughs> fruit on his jet <laughs> when Mick Foley quits. That is the one instance of a man being cool eating fruit. This is <laughs> the maniacal smile on his face when Mick walks off the jet and he just goes, Oh, Mick. Have a nice day. Oh, God. <laughs> Munching on a, an orange segment. If, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there. If Tony Khan ever becomes, and I hope he doesn't, becomes an on-screen character, if we don't get a Tony Khan on a private jet eating fruit segment, he's failed us all. Oh. So fucking good. So fucking good. Um... Look, the man is a woeful boss. Oh, what nothing, a horrible nothing human. Could, <laughs> nothing could ever beat the Vince McMahon character. I was recently talking to Jack about the McMahon family prayer. In, into the stroller? All time. Yeah, all time. And like, it's you can't, It's not on YouTube. Is it not? And it was on, it was on thing for a while, uh, Daily Motion. But I, I lost that copy I had of it as well. Um, it's like, listen, God, you don't like me. And I don't like you. <laughs> and then just the... No, so the stroller one is different, actually. So this is the one where it's before the Sean match. And he he makes them all take it yeah, in, yeah. including a he, including a heavily pregnant Stephanie. Oh, McMahon. yeah, sorry, she is. She's pregnant, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, oh, what is it? Is it the hair match? It's the hair... Is it the hair match where he does the... the into the, into the, stro- the Hogan match? I think it's the Hogan match. So when was the Sean one? The Sean one was 22. So it would have been the Trump match. Oh, okay, right. Because she was pregnant for the Sean match. 
and he does the makes them all take a knee while he's looking like fucking Jack yeah, the where he's like yeah he's obscenely fucking that. huge and orange and orange yeah. and he does a hallelujah <laughs> <laughs> oh god and is it yeah because he nearly corpses Shane in the middle of the prayer as mm-hmm. well Shane and Steph I think speak and spell I think, obviously is the only one who does I think if Stephanie had a laugh she might have fucking wet herself at that point so she was that heavily pregnant her water might have <laughs> broke yeah because like why was he even making her take a knee like for fuck's sake oh yeah that's right because it was that time that Sean Triple H were doing the whole you know whoever impregnated Stephanie blah 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 it was later that summer yeah. because yeah like because they do the this was the first tease of the DX reunion was during the Vince match because he goes to do the elbow drop off the ladder just, and yeah, the yeah, that's right, and everyone yeah. fucking loses mm-hmm. it that match to this day, I still insist, is a five star match. The Sean Vince one. It it's He just beats It's an example the of yeah. unmerciful piss out of the man. It's an example of one man's willingness to take a beating on pay per view. The fucking unveiling the muscle and fitness cover and he does the like that <laughs> pose beside the photo. <laughs> And then Sean puts his head through the Vince head on the fucking painting. Yeah. Oh, him doing the Shane dance yeah. and then caning the piss out of Shane. Oh, Remember when WrestleMania used to be good? Comedy. It was so good. That was a great WrestleMania. Oh, it really well, was. 22. 22. Last one in, yeah, last yeah, one in yeah. an actual uh, arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, fuck, we have to talk about this show, don't we? We do, we do. So Hogan's going to be backstage eating fruit and being cool. He says the photo doesn't prove anything. But this is what I was going to write. So Sting goes backstage to confront Hogan, but he's just been in the ring talking to Hogan. No, it was later in the show. But he's already been talking to him anyway. Like, what was he going to say about him? There was no new information. Something had happened. I, already... I can't remember. We stopped defending them. Nothing happened. They just wanted to do another segment. So he goes backstage looking for Hogan and he opens the door. And the, the thing, I think the most suspension of disbelief shattering thing is there's no way is Hulk Hogan in a dressing room this small. This was like a fucking broom closet. I was going to say that. Why is all of a sudden Hulk Hogan in the smallest dressing room in the fucking, in the whole arena? To me, if you ask me, this looked like just where the makeup girls were because all that was there was like the makeup mirror and a couple of chairs and then the wall and ho- on the other side. Not Now, not the wall. Yeah. But a wall. And then a pair of Hogan's <laughs> trunks or whatever. Fucking. If the wall had been there, we'd have something to talk about. I've never met one man to love a wall so much. Look, I mean, I've got the giant That's the Wall Brother sticker on my laptop for a reason. Fucking love the wall. Hey, wall. Uh, our first match on this show is DDP versus Al Green. Who's getting a real run out on Thunder lately? Yeah, what, what? This is like our second or third sight of him lately. I don't know. He's fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, no, he's dog shit. Yeah, yeah. So DDP says he was going to challenge Goldberg, but this place is too much of a dub for a match like that, which I did laugh at a little bit. It's like, I'm not a coward. It's just this is a shithole. <laughs> this is a great turn for a heel. Um, he said, playing the role of Goldberg tonight will be Al Green. And it's so funny how much the announcers just absolutely scoff at the idea that Al Green could even fictitiously play Goldberg. They're just like, oh, he's not he's not the caliber of athlete of a Bill Goldberg. <laughs> this is nonsense, the highest order. They might as well have said, like, Al Green is an idiot and he can't wrestle. Fuck this. And then they'll still trot him out on fucking Saturday night to go eight minutes with somebody. 
Yeah, and then they have him stand there while DDP just fucking eviscerates. Does your mad jokes? Right, like try to try to bi- try to big him up at first. Going, you look just like Goldberg. So he's complimenting his shoulders and his traps. And he goes, "You've got the same gut as Goldberg." And he's like, "Hey, what the fuck?" And he's like, "Oh, but you look way better." The thing he sh- he absolutely should like the most obvious thing in the world is like you look better than Goldberg. You have hair. <laughs> is the most obvious dumb route to take instead of going, hey, you're fat. <laughs> you, Scott Steiner style. You've got roid gut, but it's okay. Your roid gut looks okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is just factually not true compared to Goldberg. You know what I mean? Like, that's... that's anyway. Fuck, like... Uh, it's just... It's bad, because then it devolves into... Like, again, we've talked about it how many times, but, like, DDP is so much more than your mad jokes. Mm-hmm. That's all they have him do. Like, even when a promo starts going away from the Yermad jokes, he brings it right back. Like, it's clearly Bischoff must be howling at these jokes. He's like, keep doing them, keep doing them. It's safe to say that the triad are done at this point. Yeah. Um, Not coming back. Haven't seen the other two in a while. They're just gone. Um, Canyon, I don't want to say he disappears, but Canyon doesn't get featured until he does the turn. Now, I'm so excited for the turn. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've mentioned on this show. I know I say it to you all the time privately. When I was a kid, one of my all-time favorite things was when people were getting randomly canyon cuttered. That now, that is fucking wrestling comedy. Positively Canyon is probably one of the best characters. And this is the thing, I haven't seen it in so many years because we've been doing this show. Mm-hmm. But I am so steadfast in that this holds up. Like, it, it will hold oh, it up. Will. We get it will. It. And even if it doesn't, we're going to tell you it will because we're not going to be wrong. The one I always remember is the one at the barriers going in and out of the arena where the guy comes to check on the car and you think what's going to happen is he gets out of the car and does it. But he comes careening in from off camera. <laughs> Canyon quarters the guy. Or the one where they're doing the wide shot in the, the arena, background, which I think is which I think is a thunder. Okay, and in the background you see and it. There's a guy looking. There's a guy looking up at the building, and then all of a sudden, like from a mile away, this dot in a bad wig runs by. Fucking <laughs> boom! Uh, comedy, folks. It's not that hard. No, it's really not. Anyway, is there much to really talk about? No, he does a photo over diamond cutter and wins. And it's a bit of a, like, because of the, the chunk of the man, it's a bit of an awkward float over. Mm-hmm. It's more of a hop, skip, and a jump over. Um, and then he also, like, just to discredit the man a bit more, he celebrates for about 30 seconds. It reminded me of when um, Randy Orton uh, reversed the curb stomp into the, the RKO, and he just got so jazzed that they hit the spot that he forgot <laughs> to pin him. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was just, uh, the one thing I do like about this current DDP run is that he's back to hitting the diamond cutter in v- weird variations. Yeah, which just goes to show that the move was over. Not, and it's a shame they never let him, like again, like for various reasons. I'm sure we'll talk about one day, many years from now. They just never like if he had just been doing that in WWF, he would have gotten over. I just listened. If, if he had, if he hadn't been just like doing grainy VHS camcorder footage while he was having big wanks in a cupboard. Um, I, I told you I downloaded the... Well, I, I went back to the Pritchard podcast and I just listened in the past week to the Invasion 2001 episode. Right. And you best believe that piece of shit defended 
DDP being a stalker. One of the all-time fumbles. There, there'll be nobody. You could sit anyone from that company in front of my face, and they could give all the justifications they wanted, and I will never believe anything more than they were punishing people who were in the company that nearly put them out of business. You, they couldn't see. Do you know? They could not see the money they could have. Do you know made. what his justification was? What? If it was that over, why did the company go out of business? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, that's fuck that's, you. Yeah. Um, like to me the thing would be like my competitive hackles would be raised by if I thought they weren't over I'd be like well I'm gonna fucking get them mm-hmm. over I'll prove that it was Bischoff is an idiot and can't get over any or talented the people. guy that left me to go there is a fucking bigger idiot yeah 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 anyway um, our next match is Shane Douglas versus Dave Taylor um, Regal off mic Regal hasn't said one word on a microphone since he came back Rightly um, so, because he's off his fucking tits most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And you can hear him through the camera calling the crowd in Sagadaw scallywags and scoundrels. And I did pop for scallywags, I have to say. Um, Doug, this is full, like, Dave Taylor is in Butlin's wrestler mode. Uh, because Shane Douglas hits a net breaker on him and he rolls out of the ring to be consoled by Steve Regal while yelling, Ah, oh, my neck! <laughs> yeah. I was fully expecting to be like Adam. Um, what what did you think Big of USA chance as well for known patriot Shane Douglas? By the what way, what did you think of the match they announced for Fall Brawl? Uh, oh, this would be um, the first family. Is this the first family versus the Revolution? Mm-hmm. Dog shit. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> you're not jacked for Shane Douglas and Dean Malenko taking on Brian Oves and Hugh Morris these four guys are getting over so let's tie four fucking anchors to them mm-hmm. fucking hell remember Smackdown had that was it new new talent initiative or whatever it was called yeah yeah WCW with Palmer Cannon uh, WCW were doing that in 1999 with Brian Oves yeah I suppose better than doing it in 2011 like TNA did so yeah true um so we have um, sorry Gert. Dave nearly yeah Dave nearly hits Regal uh the two get bonked uh Malenko rides to take out Regal Pittsburgh plunge that's it uh Adam's belt uh, Chris Adams appears from nowhere belt this is so funny because like there are sometimes in this show where people miss their cues by way too long but this was suspension of disbelief breaking in as much as people were in to even the odds quicker than the interference was happening because it's like the bell rings and Chris Adams is already there. Like it's way too late for him to have known that this was the finish of the match or it's way too early for him to know that the match was finishing. Mm-hmm. Comes in, belts Douglas with the flag. Before I could even blink, Benoit is on Chris Adams. <laughs> And then before I could blink again, the whole first family have come out. And then before I even knew it again, Saturn is out. It's clearly, it's so funny because... Go. I think they were really struggling. I think they were struggling for time. Because you get Douglas on the mic after this and he talks about, is everybody ready for a revolution? Uh, The first family must have suggested a no DQ match, either on Nitro or we've already memory hold it from Thunder last week. Uh, says Malenko is going to tie them up and what I thought was funny was the biggest pop in this whole match was Shane Douglas going and when we're talking no DQ you know where I came from 
So ECW is getting bigger pops in WCW than WCW is getting in WCW, uh, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want need no DQ, you got it. And then um, they had tried to play them off before his promo by playing the music to end the segment, and he cut the promo. And then as soon as Dean Malenko grabs a microphone, they play the Revolution music really loudly, which is just Dean Malenko's music. Um, they play it really, really loud to try and stop Malenko because they're clearly like, we need to get to a fucking ad break. We need to get to a fucking ad break. But he, he just, just like, talks through it. Over it. <laughs> um, uh, are, are you into the uh, the slogan? No, it's so <laughs> stupid. We mentioned it briefly Look, last week because that was the first time we heard the music. But, but evolution, out with evolution, in with revolution makes no fucking sense. Uh, even Saturn says it. We're trying to get a, a thing over here. Yeah. They're not competitive theories. Like I'm I'm sorry. It's just uh They just don't help themselves, this company. Speaking of which, the next segment. Oh my god. So that we see the same Berlin vignette. He has debuted now, so when they said they were gonna throw to a vignette, I thought it was gonna be let's see Berlin's yeah, yeah, debut yeah. match. Fucking nothing. I think there was a there was a, one of the images I think had footage of him his entrance. I think I, I I think I saw him very briefly, but I did not care to rewind. <laughs> um, and then Larry, and I don't know why this wasn't cut off, started on a rambling. Well, you know when communism fell, and I'm like, oh my god. You don't want fucking history lectures from Larry fucking Zabisk. You are not Ken Burns. You sir. don't want an American telling you all about world history. No, especially when it comes to communism, it's slightly biased. One might say, <laughs> "Fuck me." So what you're saying is you support Berlin and his anti-American stance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, next up is a classic Bischoff was like fuck we have five minutes to fill who do I see in catering it's Kaz Hayashi versus El Dandy my first note here this screams Sid interference yeah I, I did love by the way that uh, Tanae drops this line as if we all knew it he goes as we all know El Dandy has one of the most lethal right hands in world championship wrestling I was like do we know that Mike do I don't we? think that's been established at all no, I don't. I don't know if I've seen him throw a right hand and doing. Is it that it's so lethal? He's like Michael Tarver. He's just he doesn't fucking throw it because it he might kill a cunt. <laughs> to be fair, I've probably seen El Dandy as many times as I've seen Michael Tarver. <laughs> to this day, I don't know if I've ever seen Michael Tarver throw his knockout punch he was putting over in NXT. Uh, one thing we also which would you rather take the El Dandy right hand or the Paul White weapon of massive destruction is that where he farts on you or is that the right hand <laughs> no it's when he blows sick vape clouds in your face uh, I'd stick with El Dandy um, yeah. one thing we also did not know but we do now do now know is Kazuyoshi's getting a cruiserweight title shot yeah I'm down for that I mean, we've we've only wait. seen him win this one match. Is it like, is it one of those, you fucking, like, the sliding doors thing, you can get Kaz Hayashi competing for the Cruiserweight title. Oh, cool. Who's the champion? Is it Kidman? Is it Rey Mysterio? No, not them. We're going to put it on that guy we've been doing gay panic skits with for a million years. Do you know what it feels like? If Hell, well, hell on that, earth? That's one thing. But the title was on Ray. 
And it's like they went, oh shit, Ray has the Cruiserweight title. That's not important. Let's do a Lenny Lane versus Kaz feud for the Cruiserweight title. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about Lenny later because now they're trying to make him seem like a threat. And yeah. But anyway, um, Kaz hits a sick overhead belly to belly where he like traps his arms rather mm-hmm. than gets the waist lock. That was that was fucking class. And fair play to El Dandy for getting some elevation on it as well. Um Dandy misses a Vader bomb, walks into standing Hurricane Rana, slingshot DDT from Kaz for two. Dandy goes for a superplex, Kaz fights him off, front suplex and hits that like that fucking senton backsplash is sick, man. It's like it's more impressive than most swantons. Yeah. And it actually lands most of the time. Or it looks to land most of the time as well. Because there's, like, the way he, like, the way his body turns halfway through it, it's it's like something out of a cartoon where it's like he freezes in midair <laughs> and then actively yeah. jumps downwards out of the air. Like, it's fucking cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as you say, it was, you could see this coming a million miles off. I'm just surprised we actually got uh, that, a pinball. That was, that was the that shocking happened. part, that we actually got a finish in the match. Maybe the second most shocking part, because Sid comes out, but he wasn't a lonely. No. He didn't, and he didn't have a Steiner with him. No. Fucking Charles Robinson, who has only not been a heel for about five minutes, is now a heel again. Until he referees it. Cruiserweight title match later in the night as a straight referee. No, 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 not later in tonight, Lee. Oh, next, next, next sorry, yeah, next. Yeah. Yes, he comes out. Uh, this is one of my major problems. He comes out and he's basically doing the Lodi gimmick, uh-huh. and then he referees a match next where we're supposed to forget that, and also Lodi is involved. What the fuck is going on? Also, like, could you not have even put in one match as a buffer between these segments? Can we talk about Sid's winning streak? It's yeah, been, it's please, been stuck. It's because, been stuck in the seventies for three weeks. Yeah, for something they are making up. <laughs> the fact that he's stuck is amazing. Like he's legit been seventy-five and zero for I want to say two weeks. Well, now it's seventy-six and zero because he just pins Kaz. Um, well, he pinned he pinned both of them. Well, no, he, he choked Sam Kaz and then pinned uh, yeah. Dandy. Now, in fairness, just choke slamming somebody got him a pin a few weeks ago. I know, I that's that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Oh god, he has a microphone I wrote, because much as we love Sid the presence, Sid the promo has been all time okay, bad. Lately. The promos have not been good. No. I love the presentation of like the lights going down. Yeah, the single yeah. light and him in the corner, mm-hmm. like mean mug on the camera is good, yeah, but he's just it's nonsense he's saying. He talks about how other names in the company become obsolete compared to him. He says he's going to take his anger out on, yes, you guessed it, everybody, play, uh, wrestler he's been feuding with all this time, Chris Benoit. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, well, see, what happened... What the fuck is going on? What, hap- what happened was... Not only is he feuding with somebody, he's not, he's not just is he feuding with somebody, he's, he's never been involved with in a feud before. But also... Benoit and his mates are actively feuding with somebody else completely different. Well, Dave, see, what happened is that Sid is a big proponent of evolution. Yeah. And he took great offence to the evolu- outward evolution stance. Look, God bless Sid. But given his um, robust intellect and where he's from, 
I don't believe for one second that him and the theory of evolution are friends. <laughs> if you ask Sid Vicious how old he thinks the Earth is, I bet you will not get an answer you enjoy. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if we've talked about this. This is the most Memphis Sid has ever sounded, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he just dips it, just he's just getting more southern with every. He wind. just dips into his natural accent a lot more here than he ever has. Yeah, I think it's because he's vamping a lot more that he doesn't know what he's gonna say, and it's like ah, the draw yeah. gives him a couple more seconds. <laughs> um, he goes. He, I love this line as well, which is like it just makes even more of a sham of this streak. By the time I get to you, I might be at eighty or ninety and zero. But I don't know. But you're next. So you're next, but also I may beat up to 15 more men <laughs> before I get to you. Which the fuck is it, Sid? Don't be asking Sid for quest- for answers. He just does what he does. If, if you were to go right, if you say somebody's catchphrase in wrestling is the thing they say the most, which is fair. You know, like LA Knight, girl, like all that, like what they say the most, that's usually the catchphrase, right? The catchphrase Sid has had since he came back to WCW is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just get the feeling that he doesn't give a shit about this thing at all. And he's just like, whatever. I'm not putting my heart into it. Dead behind the eyes like fucking Phil Brooks on a Monday night. <laughs> Coming Soon out. to be a Friday night. <laughs> I, and I am convinced, right, I will put my fucking house on this, Lee. They have Charles Robinson coming out with signs because Sid doesn't remember the score. And if somebody is standing there with a sign the size of a fucking van, he might remember. Might. There's no guarantee. Might. I was listening to, I watched the new Botchamania last night, mm. right? And... um. They do a segment from, you know, he has a segment where somebody will read from a wrestling yes. book. So uh, they do a segment from the Todd Gordon book. Ah, Todd of Scots. And he, yes, and he talks about, now, look, Todd, depending on who you talk to, unpleasant yes. man. Yeah, God bless um, you and all, but no. Right. Uh, and there was, definitely there was an element of this which shows, like, a not caring for the issue somebody was going through, but just in terms of the, like, Sid not having a clue what's going on, very much reminded me of, he tells a story about booking Kerry Von Erich uh, for a Dennis Corluzzo show, because he had kind of, um, so the idea was that, Cor- he, I think it was that one of them, him and Corluzzo had an agreement not to cross into each other's territories. One of them had Jersey, one of them had Philly. Um, mm-hmm. Philly. And um, I think there had been, Cor- oh, yeah, Corluzzo was crossing over into Gordon's territory. And he said, look, as a solid, you can book ECW talent in a match on the show to show off ECW. And he's like, look, me and Dennis got on. So I said, as a solid to him, to show there was no ill will, I called up Kerry Von Eric and I asked him, would he do the show? My idea was that I'd have him come in under a mask and he'd rip off the mask and reveal it was him. And three different times during the day, Kerry Von Erich would come to me and go, so why am I wearing the mask again? And he had to explain it to him that the whole idea was you're going to wear the hood and you'll come out and I'll be a big pop because no one knows you're going to be on the show. And eventually he thinks it sinks in with Kerry. But then Kerry comes out with the hood on and a robe with an enormous sparkly Kerry on the back. Mm-hmm. And that just reminded me of the Sid thing where like, for entirely different reasons, obviously Kerry was going through all the things that are well documented that Kerry was going through. 
uh, but it just reminded me very much of like in Sid's case, Sid had no idea what was going on when he was coming to the ring. But in Sid's case, it was because he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> and why should yeah, he? The... Why should he? Exactly. Um... This, is, this is very much like what I think I worry about with some guys that go to AEW now where I'm like, are they taking a three year paycheck to go back to WWE? Mm. You know, I think Tony and people there need to be more discerning about who wants to jump. I do believe earnestly that, say, like a your your mate, the Cope, actually wanted to try something new. I don't think he's just because he had the offer on the table, like he could have mm-hmm. stayed. Do you know what I mean? I think he wanted to try something. Even if he does go back, I think he genuinely wanted to try something new for a while. Now, an Andrade, I think, is one of the people loudly communicating, I'm just killing time. Exactly. (laughs) But anyway, that's besides the point. This was shot. It was. They also tried to play him off as well, do the Oscar music, play him off. And he just kept talking. Uh, next up, we have to immediately memory hole that Charles Robinson is a big evil heel again because we have a WCW World Cruiserweight title match. Uh, Lenny with Lodi versus Kidman. Um, I did laugh a little bit at... Uh, obviously, there had been some complaints in about Lodi's signs and the implications on it because he wrote G-rated, family-oriented signs. Yes, I wonder what organization had been on to Turner about the signs. Yes, yes. Stevie Richards on the phone. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, and this is what I thought was really funny. Like, for half this match, they're trying to build up Lenny as an actual... Like, they have spent the entire time we've been watching this company on this podcast treating him as a fucking dork. And he gets a fucking banana peel win of the Cruiserweight title. And now they're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) We have to actually make him look like somebody that can win a wrestling match. And it's just the crowd ain't buying it. The crowd ain't buying it for one second. I I watched this match and I didn't really... I wasn't, it wasn't that I was necessarily ignoring the action. Yeah. But I couldn't help and look at Low, or Lenny and just think... Like, the guy can actually wrestle. Yeah, that's the disappointment. I like Lenny. Not Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, that's the most car you've ever sounded in your life. Yeah, I like Lenny. Um... Let, like the dude could actually wrestle to a stat like look he's not fucking g- give me a name he's not fucking he's not he's not Chris yeah. Jericho in spite of how he looks um but the, the dude can move he's not he's not he's not going to be in the revolution tomorrow <laughs> he could hold up although he's probably better he's probably better than Shane Douglas actually he could hold up his end of the bargain in a match let's put it that way yeah he was a good hand you know what I mean like he was he was never gonna he didn't have the build or the height or the, well, see, the promo ability to be see, a star. That's what ever. I was going to come back to. Like Five years later, that guy is like a standard main event height guy. If this guy... If he had come along in like early 2000s Jersey All-Pro, early Ring of Honor, uh, if he'd come around during PWG... Like he's not... He's not like this guy was doing extremely well for like himself. Like he's not a small guy. No, but he's small er, by yeah. Land of the Giants era. Like, look, yeah. who am I putting money on to have a better match in PWG? Lenny Lane or fucking Kurt Hawkins? <laughs> yeah, we know where your money is. And it, it, that could be anyone versus the British. It's not Eagles. the guy with the fucking cane, I'll put it that way. 
Oh, God. Uh, oh, one thing I loved here. Kidman fucking cleans this guy's clock with a clothesline. <laughs> like, I legitimately, like, because he, he, he rolls out, and I'm like, I think he got his bell rung. Like, because it was a vicious yeah, yeah, lariat. Fucking Kojima would be proud of this. What, what annoyed me about that is I couldn't help but think that was because they were playing into the Kidman doesn't like gay people thing. Oh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And because, like, you know, they had mm. done a tie-up and Kidman had kind of just laid into him with forearms. And it was yeah. just very shortly after that he hit the horrible, or the fucking snug clothesline. Or, or, or maybe Kidman just got an All Japan comp. <laughs> Uh, last week and he's just like fuck it I'm going full King's Road style putting that 300k to good use yeah yeah Lord knows this match would go on like two minutes longer he might start hitting some Kawada kicks or something (laughs) like that who knows Kidman hitting Lenny Lane with a burning hammer oh god anyway anyway um Look, the match was actually a lot of fun it when it was. got going. It was decent. A bit where he, like, Kidman does a baseball slide and a plancha takes Lenny and Lodi both out. But just as it got going, Lodi interrupts the shooting star press for a DQ. Then Ray comes out. And I was just like, this is when I copped that it was Robinson refereeing because he's given out to the heels. And I'm like, Robinson was a full heel, literally one segment to go. And now he's playing it straight. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is going on? Next segment, Revolution comes out. Benoit accepts its challenge. Saturn says sometimes the hunter becomes the hunter. This was a completely pointless segment because why could they not just done this when Raven was coming out for a match anyway? Not Raven, sorry. Yeah. Saturn was coming out for a match anyway in like two segments. Makes no sense. Um, we get our latest Buzz Stern segment at the power plant. One thing I was always jealous looking at the power plant was I would love those huge, long, banner-style pay-per-view posters yeah. that are always hung up there. Fuck. And the same in tracks when you'd see on season one <laughs> of Tough Enough. Tracks. Tracks. <laughs> that's a fucking... That's a blast from the past, isn't it? By the railroad tracks. Damn right. So he congratulates them, uh, all the guys, including the back of Elix Skipper's head, uh, because before before they start with him, WCW stood for We Can't Wrestle. And you know what? When you're losing a wrestling war, you really shouldn't be giving fans a new and very funny way to slag off your mm-hmm. company. <laughs> um, that was a really bad idea. He says he can only pick one to be in his winner clubs, and he picks Luther Biggs, who's been the comedy geek in all these segments. Uh, as soon as he picks him, the guy immediately falls over. Then he gets his T-shirt and falls over again. Comedy! Yep. <laughs> you, you, my friend, are giving the exact reaction. What, what do you want me to say to that? Uh, g- give me your in-depth analysis while I take this big slug does, of water. Does the Luther Biggs guy go on to do anything in this business? Because he... Do you know what he reminded me of? Like, a... Who? A very, 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 very less talented Larry Sweeney. He had that kind of look about him. He had a bit of a Larry Sweeney vibe, yeah, but just like not nearly the the comedy or charisma or charm. Of yeah, the man. just like take up or even the physique. Take all like. the good things about Larry Sweeney and like eliminate them, and that's Luther Biggs. Yeah, um, we know he has, I think, at least one match on TV with Buzz Stern aside because this gimmick is dropped like in a mm-hmm. month, and I don't recognize Luther Biggs's face. Um, maybe when the Luther Biggs match comes up, we might have a look and see it as cage, cage um, match. Cage yeah. match. 
Um, our next match, fucking hardly worth even talking about again. Harlem Heat versus Disorderly Conduct. Disorderly Conduct getting the already in ring treatment, which is quite rare for WCW. Like, usually everyone gets an entrance. They got an entrance. Yeah. Did, they? Did I just fucking black out? Apparently so. Disorderly Conduct. They got an entrance. I thought Disorderly, Disorderly Conduct got an entrance. Okay. Aaron Quinn is so mad at you Fuck. right now. Yeah, sorry, Aaron. Jesus, apparently these have now entered the I'm actively trying to suppress having watched them territory. <laughs> um, the one super lame thing, like this is a squash match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an absolute squash match. Um, but Mean Mark complaining to the referee about being put in an arm ringer is pathetic. It's not Mean Mark. Mean Mark is the dead man. <laughs> yeah, the, sorry, yeah. Mean, mean Mike. Mean, mean Mike. Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I keep writing Mean Mark. I always write Mean Mark. Now, if Booger Red was in disorderly conduct, you're talking. <laughs> um, this whole match was just set up to establish Harlem Heat's new finisher, I'm assuming. Yeah, which is really funny because, like, they um, there's a bit where they come in and they have to do a double team on uh, on on the Undertaker, and uh, <laughs> um. It's funny because, like, why are you doing a double team? Because the whole rest of the match is Stevie and Booker being easily able to out wrestle both of them at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's tag, tag team yeah. contest, Dave. You know, you you got to take advantage. Do you want to scri- describe this uh, this new finish? Because this new finish is both kind of shit, but at least from Booker's perspective, incredibly athletic. So Stevie catches them in like a spinebuster type position. He has them, like, he catches them low on their legs, so they're raised above his head, and. Uh, Booker hits a Harlem sidekick basically so it's like a heart attack Harlem sidekick combination that's what like, yeah. lifts him up as if it's a yeah. heart attack um, and then yeah the, the Harlem sidekick and like just getting up that far like he doesn't clip him in the head but to be able to get a man like higher up on the chest from a, a standing position mm-hmm. is very impressive very impressive and hey we get the we get the um, rednecks versus Harlem Heat at the pay-per-view for the titles yeah woo um Rednecks out to, to, to make a jump on them, but they're easily fought off. This is a real babyface is standing tall show. Um, because like heels keep trying to jump babyfaces who just, in spite of numbers being overwhelming, they manage to fight them off quite easily. So four men come out and there's already two men in the ring. So six men <laughs> against two and the Harlem Heat just run off all of them in a few seconds. I, I like your Steiner master. Why? Four plus two know, is yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, no, I was actually right. <laughs> I put a bit of doubt in your head there, though. Look, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> and they spell disaster for disorderly conduct. They spell disaster for them at Fall Brawl. Speak. Fucking me to Steiner, man. Speaking of disasters, we're getting another Prince Ikea match. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I wrote, who could possibly care? Prince Ikea versus Scotty fucking I, I genuinely, I was like, oh, no, we're getting another fucking Ikea push. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen this man win a match. <laughs> Genuinely. Like, I have to keep reminding myself he was the mad champion for a while to remind myself that he did win Scotty matches. Scotty the Pirate Riggs is, uh, is on board. What the fuck was this? I... <laughs> Sorry. I had, I had three observations about this match. One was the two of them managed to fuck up a short-arm clothesline spot. Couldn't even tell you who fucked it up Ikea. more. Because the bump the bump is definitely fucked and the throwing of the clothesline is fucked yeah. too. Um, they do the worst and least heated hockey fight spot of 
all time outside the ring. And then the other thing that happens is um, it the finish? Is on oh. commentary. Because we have the first mention on our podcast of the yes. demon. So Vampiro is now living under the threat of the demon. Now was this was this so, demon Adams or was this demon Torborg? I think by the time the match it's happens, demon Torborg. It's demon Torborg. Was it? Do you want to mention what the deal is with the demon for those who are like not watching the shows along and weren't a lot were fortunate enough to not be around when these shows so were on? So a couple of weeks ago, they had talked about how there was got. But they'd be doing the summer, yeah, summer of concerts. concerts. So the Kiss one they had plugged well in advance. And the week on Nitro, the week before the Kiss concert, Brian Adams had walked out on the NWO Black and White. And he was seen going off in Kiss's limo. And then we were told that Kiss were promising the debut of a demon wrestler. Or a Kiss demon or whatever they were calling him officially. And... Brian Adams showed up one week later, coming out of the coffin as the full-blown demon. Yeah. Or D-Kiss demon. Um, by the pay-per-view, I won't say exactly, I can't remember specifically how long he lasts, but by the pay-per-view, it is absolutely Dale Torborg under the paint. So, yeah. in the space, of, in the space of three weeks, it goes from Adams to Torborg. And also, let's not forget, like the the whole background to this is as part of them coming to Nitro to do a it concert, was a neutral, yeah, it was there was business deal deal that there would be a Kiss character in WCW yes, that would only wrestle and the, in main events, only wrestle in yeah. That, well, I think it was that there it ha, he had to be booked in a certain number of main events. I thought it was everything had to be in main events. No, I think it was like a couple. There has to be a couple of main events. So what they do is they do a couple of times where he's in a special joint mm-hmm. main event, but he doesn't go on last. And I think that's the subject of some some trouble then later. But we, I don't want to spoil what I'm sure will be exhaustive yes. reporting by Dave. Um, but but yes, in the space of three weeks, we get two kiss demons, and Brian Adams may or may not be gone for a little bit. And this sounds like something that. Um, Oh, they'll do this for a little while, and like Buzz Stern, they'll drop it. The fucking Kiss Demon stays around for fucking ages. So he's he's officially called the Kiss Demon until the yeah. trouble begins, and they change his name to The Demon. Even though he's still very clearly the Kiss, like they don't really change the look at mm-hmm. all. Like maybe they do the thing, you know, where like there's ten percent change, so it can be under fair. I think use. he stops sticking the tongue out, basically. Yeah. Um. But he's still doing the blood mm-hmm. out of his mouth, and like he's still in the gear with the face paint. Like it's still fucking clearly kiss. And uh, we are going to be at some stage in the next year or two in this podcast reviewing him having a fight in a graveyard, <laughs> which is on Nitro. But we're fucking watching that because that is one of the like in dear in my mind moments that even at like eleven years old, I was like, this company's fucking cooked, lads. Um, can I talk about the other thing in this match? That is notable. Please. Please. Because I'd like to stop talking about this match personally. So you take the reins. So the crowd. You haven't mentioned the crowd yet. The crowd was pretty lively. Like a pretty decent crowd. For a thunder. For a thunder. thunder. Yeah. Yes. Um, The crowd audibly laugh at Ikea missing a crossbody. Yeah. Like. Yeah. He literally goes for a crossbody and you hear 
snickers of laughing when when Riggs moves out of the way. And Riggs proceeds yeah. to do the most shit-looking rocker dropper I've ever seen for the finish. And this is like a crowd that I've often seen are willing to like give guys in the company a chance. It's not like, you know, ECW are well known for having crowds that will shit on somebody make like blowing mm-hmm. a single spot. Whereas I think WCW crowds are a little bit more forgiving or maybe they're just so like tapped out attention wise. They don't notice when a guy blows an individual spot. And this is, yeah, they are just like, they do not give a fuck about either of these guys. And they shouldn't. Uh, Ikea eats shit off the top and gets famousered for it. It wasn't a famouser. It was. A, a famouser has <laughs> a bit of athleticism about it. Yeah. Look, I don't think no matter what, like this guy tried to do anything, there wasn't going to be any athleticism to it. Um, our next match. So Cat comes out. And one thing I will say in terms of positive, right? Cat and Sonny's gear, they've clearly got a budget now. Because Cat's yeah, he's got the gold, is, the gold has sequin gone, robe, yeah. The gold sequin robe, the gear is, the, the actual wrestling gear is looking a little bit less ill-fitting and cheap. Uh, Sonny is in an incredible mustard yellow suit. Um, I am looking forward to your reporting of Dave's reporting leading up to the James Brown story. Yes, I, I also cannot wait um, for this. But can I, can, so can can I just can, say, all throughout the show, they have talked about having the cat versus Goldberg coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So what... And the show is live. So what does the cat... It's not as What not does table. the cat do? Calls yeah. out Hogan. <laughs> and immediately, Tanae goes, he's not here. <laughs> Like, there wasn't even a moment. I really hope today was just on the live mic, just go to the crowd going, yeah, Hulk Hogan's not here. Then you can hear um, Sonny go, Goldberg, Goldberg. And he's like, he's like, uh, I've already whooped Goldberg, which he hasn't. (laughs) It never happened. And even today is like, that didn't happen. (laughs) I think today is just like, I fucking hate Does Ernest Miller think Buff Bagwell is Bill Goldberg? I don't know. He calls out Goldberg. The music is dull. Yeah, this of Cat <laughs> uh, tries a sneaky kick when Goldberg gets at the ring, and then he gets annihilated with Great a spear. spear. <laughs> it's one of the best spears I've ever seen. I in my did life. like that they pointed out that the cat had the red slippers on. Yeah. So they're like just killing his finish. <laughs> yeah, and then he picks him up for the uh, the jackhammer red shoes dangling in the sky and kills mm-hmm. him pins him done huge pop huge pop for goldberg winning Pe- people will um, say you couldn't do it forever i don't care i think you could have done two goldberg squashes like this every month yeah also by the way didn't sid earlier on say goldberg wasn't here yes someone yeah, earlier yeah, on said goldberg's yeah. not here yeah yeah so like and then ah yeah this is what happens when you give idiots live mics Yes. Speaking of idiots, main event time. Sid Vicious versus Perry Sanner. This is a match I never knew I wanted until right now. It, it kind of rocked, didn't it? For this a is a while? good little match. Like, Sid yeah. gave Saturn fucking loads. Yeah, like it starts off with the typical Sid corner mall, and I was like, oh, it's just going to be this. like. But Saturn like does the thing, and I love it. With underdog babyface who's tough as nails, fighting back and fighting back, but the heel, the big mm-hmm. monster heel, just won't go down. Uh, Larry says those punch like selling Sid's offense. Like those punches to the chest will stop your heart. Um, Saturn's I love the Saturn is trying to do the super kicks, but he can only get as high as Sid's nips. 
Sid nearly lost Nipkick. Nipkick that, that needs to be the Young Bucks new uh, gimmick. Nipkick Party is definitely a website that I do not want to have on my history. Um, Sid nearly loses Perry on a suicide dive catch. Like, there's a moment where he just, like, nearly fucking lets him slide down mm-hmm. to the floor. Um, lovely middle rope drop kick from Saturn, which it finally knocks Sid down, which gets a big reaction. He tries to do the sunset flip, and the monster picks him up, choke slams him nearly through the fucking ring. Uh, Saturn keeps fighting back. Sid won't stay down, but neither will Saturn. It's a real kind of irresistible force and movable logic style thing. And I'm just like, I could do with this lasting another five minutes. And as I said that, Saturn goes for a 10 punch spot and fucking Rick Steiner comes in for the deal. He just fucking strolls in. It just ugh. comes in with his belt and immediately drops the belt and goes and does some idiot. punching. That's why. And then. And then again, being sent in too quick because we're clearly running out of time, Dean Malengo comes out to even the odds, clocks both of them with Steiner's belt and the heels well, uh, did, uh, The revolution surrounds Did you like today's call of, oh, that's Ben Wan? And then he goes, oh, wait, no, no, it's Malengo. <laughs> it's Malengo, yeah. Two incredibly similar looking yes, men, obviously. obviously. Um, yeah, so that's that's the end of seventy eight ep- the seventy eighth episode of Thunder. Um, Lee, what were your overall thoughts on the show? Uh, winners and losers, please. I don't want to say this was a bad show. I quite enjoyed. It was, it was quite. I quite enjoyed Sid Saturn. the The Harlem Heat squash, you know, was a squash. Um, hmm. Kidman and Lenny had a a fine little match for what they are, they are allowed out. to do considering character and stuff. Yeah. And look, we got to see Kaz Hayashi and El Dandy have a, a little three-minute match as well. It was a mm-hmm. decent episode. Um, I think the pacing was much it was. better. Now, I know we're not going to get a live episode every week, so unfortunately every week isn't going to be like this. So, yeah, I, when we get a show to this quality, I'm going to just enjoy it. I'm not going to rag on it too much. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the big winners of the the episode for me were, like, Sid and Saturn, basically. They, they just went out and had a good main event match. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um. Our finish counter, brought to you by Ludwig Borger, has eight matches on this show with a staggering five clean finishes, two DQs, and one interference leading directly to a finish. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. We'll be back uh, on Patreon next week with our ECW review in two weeks uh, on Voices of Wrestling and the solo podcast feed with Days of Thunder 79. Until until then, be well, stay safe, and we'll chat to you soon. Bye-bye. My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines, and we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust 
to AEW. And are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.